Hello, welcome to the Sound Podcast of the Week. For more information on the Sound Movement and other resources, go to thesoundmovement.net. Hey guys, Chris here. Welcome to the Sound Podcast, episode number four. Today, I want to talk about altars. And oddly enough, I'm coming to you from Jackson, Ohio, in the very room where God spoke to me years ago and gave me this revelation, this understanding of what an altar really is. You know, I was sitting there about three years ago, um, almost to, I think, down to the, within the week, I just so happened to be here in the my friend's room uh, here in Jackson, Ohio, and I remember I was there shortly after uh, he had lost his mother to cancer, and his mother was a fiery woman of God, and he had told me stories before of how you know, his mother would be praying in her room, and she'd be praying in the house and worshiping in the home. And even as a teenager growing up, when he you know really didn't want to hear it, he would remember his mom worshiping and and pouring out her heart to God. And as uh, you know, he, she was doing that, he would feel the presence of God. Uh, even in those days, just kind of rush out of her room after she'd come out after you know hours of prayer and worship and. He would remember feeling the, the presence of God in the home. And so there I am sitting, you know, after we had fought and, and really contended for, for life and, and, had, and had just, um, you know, lost his mother. Uh, we were sitting there about a week later, and I'm sitting at his house there, and um, we were praying. And he said, let's pray, man. Let's just, you know, press into God. And as we were doing that, um, he handed me his mother's Bible. I even remember it was it was so surreal. And we just began to pray, and I said, you know, I want to I read while I pray. And almost instantly, the Lord came and spoke to me, and, and I felt the weighty presence and glory of God. And the Lord said, Chris, what you're feeling right now, what you're accessing right now, the ease of, of what is in this very place is an altar that uh, this, this woman, her name was Kay, and some of you who are listening will, will remember and know uh, exactly what I'm talking about. But he said, this, what you're feeling, this ease, this access to the presence of God, to what you know, is in this very home, in this very geographical area, is is something that was purchased through sacrifice um, by 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 um, your friend's mother, and 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 it's here, and you get access to it because of what she paid the price for, and I always remember, you know, that you can sacrifice without being obedient. But you can't be obedient without sacrifice. And the, the Lord warns, you know, us all throughout Scripture, I'm not looking for sacrifice. I'm just looking for obedience, you know, through relationship. I'm looking for surrender, for a yes in your heart to what I've told you to do. And anytime God asks you to, uh, for something or ask for obedience, he's always going to require, there's a sacrifice attached to that. He's going to require a sacrifice with that. The problem is when we try to sacrifice and God never really asked for that. And we think somehow that sacrifice pleases God, but sacrifice doesn't please God. Sacrifice through obedience pleases God. And I was aware in this moment that there was an altar in 
the home that someone else had had breakthrough in, that another person's breakthrough actually gave me access. And, you know, I love in Psalm 84 where it says, blessed are those whose heart is the highway to Zion. Um, you know, they will go through the valley of weeping and make it into a spring. In other words, they'll go through the hard places. They'll go through the dry valleys. But because their hearts are set on the presence of God, you know, Zion was that resting place of the presence of God in the Old Testament. Um, and it says those whose heart the highway of their heart is is to reach the very manifest presence of God, the resting, weighty glory of the presence of God. They will turn dry valleys into springs. There's this sense that when one gets breakthrough, many get breakthrough. When one gets access, it gives permission for many others to come follow after them. And this is true in life in many different ways. You know, um, even in a, in, a, in a natural context, there's like this phenomena, this spiritual principle, whether you are a spiritual person or not, there's some type of principle that if someone gains access in a certain field, whether it be medicine or science or the arts or athletics, it's like if one can get that breakthrough, they can break through the threshold of what was previously impossible. It's like somehow it, it gains access for uh, many others to come after. And so that the, 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 the pressing and the hard work it took to get access um, you know, for one, will actually make it easy for others who come after, right? The valley of weeping in Psalm 84, the valley of, of dryness and hardness becomes a spring for the generations after. I like to call it the, the Trojan horse theory. You know, if you think of the whole idea of, um, you know, building the, the, the Trojan horse, it, it gets in behind enemy lines and, 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 they open the gate for the rest of the army to come through. It's like, uh, you know, Roger Bannister breaks the 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 four minute mile, and you they say you can't break the four minute mile. It's humanly impossible to get to to get past, you know, to run a mile in under four minutes. It's just not possible. And then one man does it. And, and within the next few months, dozens of people all of a sudden do it, right? It's like one nation gets breakthrough with, you know, uh, some sort of with, uh, you know, space travel. And then many nations uh, break through with, with uh, you know, traveling into space. I mean, there's breakthroughs in science and medicine. One man will get a breakthrough, will get a revelation, will get a you know, uh, a breakthrough in, in that area. And then it seems like somehow all over people get the same breakthrough. I think you can even find it spiritually. I mean, I'll go quickly, but think about this. You know, the prophet Samuel in first Samuel chapter three, it says the word of God was rare in those days and there was no widespread revelation. And yet one man comes, Samuel, he's not only a prophet, but he actually breaks open this, 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 
threshold of no word of the Lord in the land. And now all of a sudden we have prophets singing on hillsides in 1 Samuel 10. You have this little kid named David singing on the backside of a hill. He's singing prophetically to God. Um, And this whole movement begins because one person got breakthrough. And so the whole point of this is that when one person gets access or breakthrough because of their sacrifice, it grants access for many others to come after them. And so as I'm sitting in the room of my friend and the Lord says, there's an altar in this room and this altar is here because of the woman who paid the price to, to pray and to worship. She's built something that now you get access to. Now see an altar in the old covenant, in the old Testament, if you read through, you'll find that an altar was for two things. An altar was one, a place of sacrifice unto God. And two, it was a place of encounter with God. So it served a purpose. It served a purpose where the sacrifice unto the Lord would speak in a sense to the Lord and where the Lord would speak back and encounter his people. So it served this twofold purpose. And we should know that Every time we come to bring an offering of worship, an offering of praise to the Lord, um, we are coming to the altar to, you know, there's a sacrifice involved. There is. There's something that's given. Um, but what's given back is that is that, you know, so much more, right? That's like the John 4 understanding. Jesus says, woman, give me a drink of water. And he says, if you knew who asked you to give him a drink, You would have asked me for the living water. See, when we give Jesus a drink of our love, when we give him our small sacrifice, he pours back living water into us. There's an exchange that happens. And so an altar is a powerful thing, but you have to know that in the Old Testament, it's always a picture and a copy or a foreshadowing of the reality of the new eternal covenant that we have through Jesus. See, in the Old Covenant, they would build an altar and the altar had to be built from the earth. It was like a small structure or a small type of, um, you know, a, a monument, like a, like a small it could look in many different ways, um, but it was just like a small structure they would build. And um, if you even think about Jacob's altar, Jacob builds an altar to the Lord because he has an encounter there. So he built an altar to commemorate that encounter, right? And here's a little interesting side note. In the old covenant, God said, if you build an altar to me, you cannot build it from hewn stones, You know what that means? That means you can't build something of stones that have been perfectly carved, that look really nice, polished, they're even, they're they're uniform. No, no, no. God says you cannot use that for you actually defile it if you touch it. You have to make it out of raw material. Oh, think about this. This is so incredible. You have to make it out of raw material from the earth, rocks that that are jagged and, and dirt and mud. And I want you to throw something together to me, but I want you to build it and I want you to find out how these parts fit together and build me an altar. And that's what Jacob's altar looked like. It And it wasn't of hewn stones. It was this rugged, authentic, um, real thing. It looked real. But do you know, that the sons of, of Israel would walk by Jacob's altar 
many, 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 many years later and say, our father Jacob built that altar there because he encountered God. He said that there's a ladder that went from heaven to earth in that place and angels ascended and descended on it. It was like a gateway. An altar of encounter was like a gateway of, of access from heaven to earth where the sons of Israel would actually say, you know, if our father Jacob could encounter him there, then we can encounter him as well, right? It reminds me of a story of uh, a great missionary that some know of. His name was John Patton. John Patton was a Scottish missionary to the South Pacific Isles and uh, and islands there. And John Patton tells a story in his biography of his childhood. And uh, he goes back to tell the story when talking about how hard these missionary journeys were. Um, you know, it's it's funny because many called John Patton the apostle to the cannibals because he went to these cannibal tribes in the South Pacific Islands that were completely unreached, had a completely unique indigenous language uh, that had to be learned, uh, and it was just not a great job, right? Um, that it didn't look really pretty, his ministry, but it, it by the end of his life, they had translated Bibles into all of the island's languages, and to this day, those islands are Christian nations, Christian people groups right there, because one man got breakthrough, right? So John Patton, uh, he tells a story of when it was hard, when, when he would need a touch from God, when he would need encouragement, when he would need strength, when he thought about giving up, uh, and, and this guy had plenty of reason to do that. I mean, if you read John Patton's uh, biography, he lost his wife. I mean, he lost everything and, and more and still continued the work that God had called him to. And he said, when I needed strength, I would actually go and and remember the moments of my childhood when my father would pray in secret. And he tells a story of after dinner time as a child that his father would retire to the closet space and we would hear his prayers for us his children and he said my father would pray to the lord and he would seek god and he would and he was building this family altar in the home of prayer and of worship and he says whenever i would feel like giving up i would hear my father's voice ringing in the the history of my heart and through my childhood and i would remember if my father could touch god in that way if my father Father could encounter and meet with God in that way, then so can I. It was like his father had built something that gave him access years later as an adult in his own destiny. If that is not an encouragement to you as a father, as a mother, as a leader, uh, to, to, to pray and develop a lifestyle of, of sacrifice in your own home, to build an altar in your home, own home, I don't know what is. And so revisiting uh, this, this story where God was downloading all of these things to me, I'm sitting in this home where this woman who had recently passed had given her life to Jesus and her sacrifice gave access to me. It gave access for me to now be hearing what I'm hearing. And, 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 and I'm in the very room right now where I'm sharing that. So I'm, I'm praying that that anointing, that, that power that was present would reach out and touch you right now. Because there is a reality to this, that the way they built altars in the Old Testament speaks to us now. And they build altars in the natural 
And in the same way, we can build altars in the spiritual. So let me unpack this a bit for you to give some understanding. Number one, remember how I talked about an altar in the Old Testament could not be built from hewn stones. See, there is a prophetic picture for us there. I don't know about you, but you know, when we worship today in the church, it seems like there's this great need for polish. It seems like there's a great need for things to be pretty and neat and and uniform and put together. I mean, think about it. If we were going to build an altar of praise or worship to the Lord today, I wonder what our altars look like in the spirit if we could see them. Do they look like pretty, perfect set list carved out, perfectly matching the decor and the message and the theme and the modern culture that we put forth? Do we have shiny stones? Do we have these perfectly built sounds? I think if if we're honest, we do. I think if we're honest, you know, we have worship music in the church today that has such a pretty polished sound, and sometimes we polish the anointing right off of it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I I, I long to hear just the the raw cry of 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 worship again. I I, I get sometimes a little uh, tired of of just this. There's so much polish on modern, what people call Christian music or worship music. I mean, the vocals are perfectly tuned. The instruments are perfect. And we do it in the name of we're being excellent, right? You hear like, we want excellence. But let me tell you something about excellence. Excellence is not doing something so that it comes off sounding perfect. Excellence is a state of the heart. See, excellence communicates passion, And any time that your pursuit of excellence uh, leaves behind the need to communicate passion, you've missed the point of excellence. Excellence is not perfection. Excellence is the communication of passion. See, if I'm passionate, it doesn't mean I just show up and do something in spontaneous some type of spontaneous music or an unrehearsed band is somehow being raw and unhewn and, well, this is real. No, 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 no. See, excellence communicates passion. It means if I'm passionate, I'm going to spend time doing something. So my worship uh, in, a, in, a, in a corporate sense even or any of the music we may put out or the art we put out or the things we create, I'm not saying we, we don't put out things that sound good. I'm saying that we're not pursuing perfection. I mean, think about it. It's funny, you know, I go to churches all over America and I, I, I love how before church we play the big top three or four worship, you know, mo- uh, movements or, or, or top three or four worship albums or, or whatever. And, and, and you hear it and you hear this music and man, is it polished. I mean, it sounds like 500 tracks of guitars and huge synth and perfect vocals. And it's just, man, it sounds pristine, crystal clear, perfect. Right. And then you hear the local band get up and it's like, ding, 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 ding. You know, it sounds like nothing uh, compared to what you just heard. And we're constantly striving. It seems like to have that perfect sound. Meanwhile, God's going, Hey, listen, I don't want something that's 
been shined and polished and perfectly set up. Maybe God isn't looking for your altar to be this perfect set list of three fast, three slow. Maybe God is looking for you to be excellent and passionate, but actually release something that's authentic, that's built from your own experience, that's built from your own journey and walk with God. What if your set list wasn't this polished altar? What if your set list worship leader was actually this authentic thing that you had to build from the earth of your own walk with God? Now, moving forward, if we if we look at an altar that way, then we indeed do build altars when we worship, when we pray, when we sing to God. I mean, we can build something that generations after us can feel and actually experience. And I want to read this scripture in reference to that. It's kind of the key scripture that I want to give you today. And it's Hebrews chapter 11, and it's verse 4. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. Now listen to this last part. And though through it he being dead, he still speaks. Now think of this. It says Abel, the gift that he offered. We know the story of Cain and Abel. When Abel offered his sacrifice through faith to God, He offered it and God accepted it. And it says this, that though Abel being dead, his sacrifice still speaks. Think about this. When we do something through obedience and we participate in this obedient sacrifice, we actually leave something behind. Even when we're gone, though when we are dead, we can leave something behind through sacrifice, through obedience to God that speaks, that has a voice. This scripture to me says this, your sacrifice, the altars that you build have a voice that will outlast your very life. Think about this. You can leave something behind for generations after you that calls out with a voice To those who know Jesus, seek him evermore. And for those who don't, come and be reconciled to Christ and to the Father God. You can leave something behind that has a voice when you participate in obedient sacrifice. Now, here's this this powerful reality that, you know, when we build this altar, how do we, you know, what is the sacrifice of a new uh, covenant believer, a new covenant priest? Well, I want to, I want to delve into that because you see the priests in the old Testament had to be from a certain tribe. You, You weren't a legit priest unless you were from the tribe called Levi. See the tribe of Levi, um, means law. So Levi means the word law. So they were priests of the law. That means they gave a lesser sacrifice of what the Bible says the old covenant is the lesser covenant. And their sacrifice, the way that they ministered to God was through sacrificing animals, right? And following the the sacrifices of the law and the system of the law, right? We know the law could never fulfill us. In fact, you know, um, in the Old Testament, it's interesting because they needed a, a man to take them into the presence, right? They needed a priest. A priest is someone who ministers to God 
in 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 the spirit essentially um and so when these priests would come they would minister to the lord and their sacrifice would actually give access for the the regular you know all the other people of israel to come into the presence of the lord and and to and to be you know absolved of sins and and so on and so forth it took another man to do that but they had to do it year after year because the sacrifice was a lesser sacrifice than that of jesus right and so they're from the tribe of the law, priest of Levi, priest of the law. Now, Hebrews says we have a new high priest. His name is Jesus. It's Yeshua. It's the Messiah. Jesus comes as the new high priest, and he's not from the tribe of Levi, but he institutes a new priestly order, and he's from the tribe called Judah. He is a priest of Judah. That means a priest, not of the law, but a priest of praise. You see, Judah means praise. Isn't this amazing? Because he's a priest of praise. That means the old covenant priests would minister to the true and living God by way of the law. But those new covenant believers, those of us who are are born again in Christ, listen, we are priests of praise. We're no longer priests of the presence or, or priests of, you know, the law. We're priests of the presence and priests of praise. We're those who give sacrifice, not through the law, but sacrifice through praise. And if you read Hebrews uh, 12, many of you, you know this, you know, it says we, we, we do not give, you know, the sacrifice of, of blood and goats, but we actually give the sacrifice of our lips, the sacrifice of, of praise to his name. This means that when we sing to God, we're actually, we're, when we worship, right, we are entering into, number one, what heaven does, right? They worship through song, too. By the way, that's not my choice. That, again, is the way the Lord has instituted it. There are songs and music is this, is this great vehicle for our worship, for our praise, and God uses that for us to sacrifice to him. So I am telling you this, that the way you build an altar is is every time you worship him, every time you sing, you build altar uh, altars to the Lord. And I actually believe that many times we can build geographical altars. We're building altars in many ways. In some ways, we build up strongholds in our own life, good strongholds, right? Not demonic or bad strongholds. We build good strongholds in our own life or altars in our own life when we live lifestyles of worship and prayer. We become a walking altar, right? A mobile altar that moves around and carries encounter for people. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, you know, uh, he told the, the disciples early in the gospels, he says, you will see angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. You know, he was alluding to Jacob's altar. He was saying, look, you thought that God was in a place, right? God is not just in a place. He's actually coming upon people, right? And even later in John 2 and in John 3, you read Jesus says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. And they go, what? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Jesus came saying, look, God is not just dwelling in places. God is dwelling in men. 
and I am a walking altar. I'm a walking Jacob's altar. I, I, I'm a walking gateway from heaven to earth because I'm a priest of praise. Do you understand that worship, praise, and adoration, thanksgiving, those things are the landing pad of the presence of God. And so if God abides on our life, we can actually carry that. That's why Romans says, be a living sacrifice, be a walking altar of his glory. This is incredible news, but it's connected to the priesthood in this, that if you choose to truly take on your heavenly identity, which Revelation says we are, as believers, kings and priests. That means priests who minister to God and kings who minister to men. Priests who minister in the spirit to God, uh, for God is spirit, and he's looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And kings who minister to men uh, with, with you know, through relationship with, with God. They minister in the natural realm, right? And that is why... Um, we build, you know, these altars, these things in our own life, personally, right, individually as altars of, of where we become walking carriers of the presence of God, but also we can build these corporate altars to the Lord, and we can even build them in our home. I know it because I've walked into the very home I'm in right now has an altar of worship and prayer that that God has, he sees and he honors and future generations get to access it because one got breakthrough, many get breakthrough, right? Um, I know because I've been to churches and to ministries and to places where there was a group of people who have paid a price to access something in God that I get to drink from the well that they dug, right? I get to taste of the things that they have they have uh, pressed into we do this with our children listen the battles you fight mother and father if you have children spiritual children the battles that you fight your children will not have to they will go on to to bigger and better things they'll fight their own battles for their own children and generations after them we are taking ground in the kingdom by constantly the kingdom is growing no matter what and we get to take part in this co-laboring with Jesus uh, where where we we build these places of his presence both in our lives in our homes in our towns in our cities and nations this is the kingdom of God expanding and knowing no end to its expansion this is the kingdoms of the world becoming the kingdoms of our God and his Christ the presence of God the glory of God is flooding the earth and and we get to be a part of it and I want to encourage you that when you um, when you are worshiping, when you're when you're singing to God, I every time go into worship, I have this understanding that when I worship in a city, in a region, whether it's my home and my children and my wife and I are worshiping in our home, whether I'm worshiping in front of five thousand people uh, in a certain city, whether I'm you know by myself with a band of troubadours in uh, in a you know, a completely unchristian city like San Francisco, I'm aware that when I sing, angels are moving in. Angels are coming in. Heaven is rushing in. Demons are fleeing. They're leaving. This is biblical, right? When I play, demons leave. The enemy becomes confused. Um, heaven rushes in, and I am taking ground through worship. I'm building an altar. I'll tell you, this summer, when we uh, went out, we've worshiped on Hippie Hill for a year and a half, God sent us there. I knew every time, whether I was by myself or with five people or with 500 people, 
um, and we've seen it all. But when I was there every single time, uh, hundreds of times I've worshiped there, I knew God said, Chris, what you're doing right now is you are building something in the spirit that cannot be seen by natural eyes, but it will have natural effects. It will be seen for the word of God. This is Hebrews 11, verse uh, two and three. It says, uh, you know, by, by this we know that the word of God formed the world. The word of God made all creation. And from this, we know that the unseen things created the seen. You see, when you build something in secret through your worship, your prayers, your your praise to God, you're actually building something in the spiritual unseen realm. You're building something that will eventually be seen in the natural. Its effects will be seen in the natural realm. And we've seen that, you know, even in this last journey in San Francisco, we saw that what we built through worship and prayer and praise and what we build in the spirit began to have natural effects. People are being saved. People are being healed. People are hearing from God. Uh, you know, people are being delivered from demons. We are seeing the kingdom of God come and transform people's lives. We are seeing people more open to the gospel in an entire city than we've ever seen before. This is the power of your worship. Worship leader, hear me now. Creative, artistic, singer, songwriter, uh, you know, anybody, I don't care who you are. You, if you are hearing me now, listen, when you open your mouth to sing to God, you are building something. And whether you're doing it corporately or individually, you have the power to build with your praise. Your words are substance. Your prayers are substance in the spirit. Your worship, your praise, it's substance in the spirit, and it will have a natural impact. This is the power that we've been given by the Lord. And I encourage you, uh, there is major breakthrough happening right now. God is looking for men and women in the earth today who are worshipers. He was looking for them in Jesus' day, and he's looking for them now. Because I tell you this, those who will take worship to the unreached places of America, of the world, they will see breakthrough like we've never seen before. It will dig up the fallow ground of the hardest places of America, and you will see um, people coming in after. I believe if we, if we could see people invading the darkest places, the hardest places, even seeing people invade their, their, their suburbs, their towns, their cities, wherever, whatever neighborhood, if we would see worship begin to invade it, not just in the church, but in the streets, in the alleyways, the highways, the byways, the bars, the clubs, the, the every place, the coffee shops, if we would see true authentic worship that doesn't have a certain sound, doesn't have a certain polish, doesn't have a certain, you know, thing, oh, well, that's worship because it sounds like, you know, soft rock with big pads. Look, if we would just take our authentic sounds to these places, I'm telling you in 15 to 20 years, we would see this explosion of the kingdom of God coming forth in all of the fruit therein, salvations, healings, miracles, uh, and, and godliness sweeping. And, and, I, and I feel that the Lord has this on his heart. He is doing this. It doesn't belong to one man, one movement. The Lord is doing this. And I'm excited. I'm encouraged. Build altars in your home. Build altars in your own heart. Get breakthrough in your cities. And you can do it by being a priest of praise, by being one who takes worship to those places. I'll tell you this, and I'll leave you with this. What you focus on will be magnified. And what you magnify will be manifest.
If you will focus not on the issues of your home, of your life, of your city, of your nation, if you'll focus on Jesus and worship him and magnify him through praise, through worship, I will tell you this, he will be manifest. But if you focus and ultimately magnify and and magnify the issues therein of America, if we magnify these things, it will continue to manifest the sickness of our culture. We must go to the streets and not protest the problem, but we must protest the darkness by putting our eyes on the answer. It's Jesus. And we must worship and magnify him. I tell you, this is the greatest protest coming to America in these days. It's the protest of putting our eyes on the issues and putting our eyes on Jesus. And this great protest will manifest in worship, invading the streets of America, invading the, the, the highways, the byways, the, the uh, forgotten places, and, 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 and invading the hard places. And when that happens, I tell you that we will see a great shift and change in our nation and in the nations of the earth. I bless you, and I pray that you subscribe to our podcast so you can see when we have new episodes up. Please share us with your friends. If this message has encouraged you, listen, share it. Send a text to your friend. Share the link with a friend. Share it on social media. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review on our podcast. This helps people hear what we're doing and, and these teachings, and we, we need your help because without you doing your part to help get us out there, we just simply uh, cannot be heard. The, there's such an oversaturation of of all sorts of knowledge and information in our day and age, and so we need your help to get out there, and we believe this is a message that can encourage and needs to be heard. So we appreciate your help. I bless you, and I pray uh, that the glory of the Lord will rest on your life, your home, and your city. In Jesus' name, we'll see you guys later. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching. If you would like to connect with The Sound Movement, please visit thesoundmovement.net or look us up on your favorite social media platform.